Chapter 33 Rodeo crawled out from under Jaeger, his shirt and hands stained black with oil. He had a smear of dark grease across his forehead, too. Me and Salvador and Val and Lester stood there on the shoulder of the road waiting for the verdict. The sun was shining, the sky was blue, the air smelled of pine trees, and I was twisted in knots of worry. My heart was pounding of tick-tock, pounding a tick-tock clock beat in my chest, counting down the seconds and the minutes and the hours I had left. We were, according to Lester's phone, about eight hours of nonstop driving away from Poplin Springs. It was two o'clock in the afternoon, the day before that park and my irreplaceable memories would be destroyed forever. Compared to where we'd started in Florida, home was right around the corner. But if our bus was stuck and staying that way, we might as well have been on the moon. Rodeo didn't bother standing up. He sat there in the gravel, his back against Diego's tire, and wiped his hands with an old rag. He squinted up at me, then looked away. Well, Lester asked. Rodeo shook his head, looked back at me. Sorry, butterfly, is all he said. My eyes burned hot. Sorry what? Salvador demanded. Sorry, this is a big repair. Whole brake line snapped. I need parts. Parts we ain't likely to find anywhere around here. He added, waving a hand at the country around us. So what are you saying? Salvador asked, though I think he knew as well as the rest of us exactly what Rodeo was saying. Rodeo huffed out a sigh. I'm saying, I'm saying we ain't gonna make it. Not in time. It'll be a couple days before this thing is moving again. And that's best case. I'm sorry, Blueberry. He said he was sorry. He said he was sorry. I wasn't so sure he really was, though. My hands, which had been nervously tugging at my braid, dropped down, defeated at my sides. My eyes burned and my throat got tight and my breathing came in big, broken gasps. No, 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 no. Lester and shook his head and turned around. Salvador, though, was not giving up. Can't you, like, patch it or something just for now? Kid, there ain't no patching a brake line, and I'm not heading down any road without brakes I don't trust, not after today. Well, couldn't Coyote, I don't know, take a bus or something? Rodeo shook his head. No, man, she ain't going anywhere without me, and I ain't going without Jaeger. She's our home, our life, everything we have is on her. And what about Ivan? Nah, sorry, we're both stuck here as long as Jaeger is stuck here. I looked away because I knew. Rodeo wasn't worried about Ivan. He wasn't worried about our stuff. He was worried about himself. I'm sure he wasn't lying about the brakes or about how long it'd take to fix them, but I knew he was lying about being sorry. He wasn't sorry one bit that we wouldn't make it home. Wasn't sorry one bit that he wouldn't have to dredge up those old memories he'd worked so hard to keep buried. I ground my teeth together hard. He'd probably been hoping for an excuse, a chance to call it off. I bet he'd been praying for a way to not keep his promise to me. But I couldn't let him have that excuse. Nope, no regrets, sister. I know what to do, I said. I know how we can get it fixed. Wait a minute, honey bear. We can't just, Rodeo started to say. But I spun in the gravel so he was at my back. I was done with him. Lester, I said, get your phone, please. I knew we had one chance to get all Jaeger fixed. Who in the world has school bus parts and maybe even a mechanic who knows how to work on them? Well, a school district, obviously. We'd done it before, Rodeo and me, needing a part or a little expertise. We'd called whatever school district we were closest to and chatted with their bus garage and, for the most part, found the folks there to be pretty darn helpful and kind of interested in seeing what we had going on with Jaeger. I searched around on Lester's phone and found the phone number of the closest school district. I pressed the call button and when I heard it ringing, I handed it over to Rodeo. He was still sitting there all slack-boned, his face tired and neutral. 
We waited while Rodeo squinted at the horizon, the phone pressed to his ear. After a bit, he shook his head and hung it up. No answer, he said with a half-hearted shrug. It's August. No one's going to be working at the schools in August. It's hopeless, baby. I was breathing fast through my nose, chewing on my bottom lip. Rodeo looked up at me, his magical eyes not the slightest bit magical right then for me. I turned around, stared off at the hills, my heart broken and my mind racing. Hopeless. It's not a word I really cared for at that particular moment. It did feel hopeless, there by the side of the highway with no help in sight. But here's the thing. Hope is a lot like parking lot cigarette butts. Always there if you look hard enough. My mind clicked. I spun it back around. When I spoke, I spoke to Lester and Salvador. We don't need the schools, I said. We just need the bus mechanic. <laughs> Lester just blinked at me, but Salvador's eyes lit up. The school district website, he shouted, and then he bent down and snatched the phone phone from Rodeo's limp hand. Let's see if it has, like, someone's name. Then maybe we could call them at home or something. Lester grinned. Brilliant. Turned out it was brilliant. There on the district website under our staff, it had a long list of all the folks who worked there with the nice little smiling pictures next to all the names. Down at the bottom under support staff was a picture of a lady with big hair and bright red lipstick and a big smile and the title transportation maintenance director, which Lester assured us was probably the title we were looking for. Her name is Tammy. I kid you not. Tammy's last name was Smet, so Lester searched for Tammy Smets in Anaconda, Montana, which was where we were, more or less, and he found a number. It's ringing, he said, and Rodeo reached up for the phone, but Lester just gave him a look, a serious look, a quiet look, and he said kind of soft, no man, I'll talk to her. Rodeo just scratched his nose and looked away. We all stood there waiting breathlessly for a minute, and then Lester said, hello, is this Tammy Smet? And me and Salvador exchanged quick little nervous happy, let's see how this goes smiles. And then Lester said, well, my name is Lester and you don't know me, but I have a little question for you. Well, actually a big question. And then he turned and walked off a bit away from the road and toward the trees and we couldn't hear what he was saying anymore, but he said a lot. I saw him talking into his phone up there in the shadow of the Idaho pines. He talked with his mouth, with his eyes, with his face, with his hands and with his heart. He paced and he nodded and he shook his head and sometimes he talked high and sometimes he talked low. I watched him, a lump in my throat, because he was doing all that talking for me. I loved that man, watching him talking for me by the side of the road, and I knew he loved me too, because that's what love is. Caring about what the other person cares about because you care about them and want them to be happy, right? I don't know what he said, but he must have said it good, because a few minutes or a few lifetimes later, he came walking over to us and he put his hand over the phone and said, What kind of bus is this? And I answered, This is a 2003 International 3800 school bus. And it might seem odd that I'd have that memorized, but it ain't, because most kids have their addresses memorized, right? Jaeger's license plate is Washington State JFS 1150, by the way. Lester did some more talking, and then he handed the phone down to Rodeo, who was still sitting in the dirt. She needs to talk to you, he said. And Rodeo just looked at the phone for a second, but then he took it, and he answered a few questions about brake parts and part numbers and stuff, and then he said, uh-huh, okay, yep. And then he said the best thing of all, all right, I'll see you in a little bit. And I guess he probably hung up, but I didn't see it because I was too busy high-fiving Salvador and hugging Lester and doing a dance right there on the exit ramp shoulder. I didn't hug Rodeo. I didn't high-five him either.
Tammy Smet showed up about an hour later in a big rumbling diesel pickup truck. She had a toolbox and some work gloves and a whole bunch of parts and I'd just, just about never seen a prettier sight than her getting out of that truck and saying, Howdy! Lester shook her hand and Rodeo shook her hand and then she got to me. She looked me in the eye and asked, You the girl? I shrugged. I'm a girl, ma'am. Don't know if I'm the girl. You're the one he told me about, though. Yeah, probably. She looked into my eyes a second longer, then pulled something out of her shirt pocket. It was a picture. A picture of a lady who looked an awful lot like Tammy. Friendly eyes, a big, warm smile. That's my sister, Tammy said. Then she added, Charlene, and she added it soft. She looks nice. She was. I looked up at Tammy, and she looked down at me, and then she said, Let's get this old girl back on the road. I smiled big and she smiled back. She started toward her truck, then stopped and turned to rodeo. Uh, we will need to talk about money, though. Now, Tammy was good people, but obviously she couldn't go around giving away expensive bus parts that the school district had paid for to any stranger that passed through town. Of course, rodeo said when she told them how, about the par- how much the parts would cost. We'll pay you for all the parts and labor, no problem. Well, Tammy said, the parts you will need to pay money for. The labor, though, is something else. What kind of something? Lester over there tells me y'all are heading toward Poplin Springs. Yeah, that's right. And that's on the way to Silver Bar, right? Rodeo squinted. I suppose so, he answered all cautiously. Well, that's just perfect, Tammy beamed. How so, sister? It just so happens that I got an item that I've been trying to get to Silver Bar, but I've been so busy I haven't had the chance, and then along you come, heading that way, needing a favor. Rodeo sniffed. I don't need a favor. I can pay you all the parts and labor. Fine, you don't need a favor, and I don't really need your money, but you do need a new brake line, and I do need something taken to where you're going, and that's what I call perfect. Tammy smiled, and there was a tough little glint in her eye. She was good people, that Tammy, but she also knew how to get what she wanted. Nothing wrong with that. Rodeo shot Mia, what did you do to get us into, what did you get us into, look, and cocked an eyebrow at Tammy. This, uh, item, it, it, it is legal to transport? Tammy's eyes, eyes darted away for a second. Yeah, she said. But she sounded awful vague when she said it. Well, it ain't necessarily illegal. Rodeo spit out a sunflower, sunflower seed shell. Uh-huh, so what is it? Tammy grinned her biggest grin yet. Four hours later, we were back on the road. The brakes were fixed and working like a charm. We could stop whenever we wanted, which is really what you're shooting for when it comes to brakes. Salvador and Val were back on the couch playing Uno. Miss Vega and Concepcion were chatting in one of the bus seats. Lester was trying to get some sleep on Rodeo's blanket pile. I even was conked out back in my bed. Rodeo was driving, and he was doing a nasty combination of fuming and sulking, so I was doing my best to leave him alone while also keeping an eye on him. We were moving. We'd lost about five hours altogether, and the sun was shi- was almost close to setting, and I knew that getting there was going to be a close call, but it sure looked like I was going to make it home. I was going to make it home. I was bouncing and tapping my feet. My heart and my stomach were fighting a war. My heart was trying to clap and sing a hallelujah song, but my stomach was pacing back and forth, wondering what in the heck I'd gotten us into. I felt like you do when you're sitting at the very tip top of a roller coaster. You're happy, you're excited, but you're also holding your breath for what's coming next. But thanks to Tammy, I did have something else to help occupy my racing mind. I was sitting in the first row of bus seats right behind 
rodeo. I was perched at the edge of the seat, way over by the aisle. I was sitting there so I could have my arm around Gladys to keep her calm while we drove. I guess I should mention, Gladys was a 200-pound Finnish Landris goat with long white hair and an impressive pair of elegant horns, and she needed a ride to Silver Bar, Washington.